Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Blokeology, evidence-based health, fitness and lifestyle. I'm Dr. Ewan Lawson and in today's episode I have the rather wonderful Jeff McCarthy. So Jeff McCarthy is an award-winning blogger and he writes for Trail Running Magazine. He's an ambassador for the um, Run 1000 Miles Challenge. Um, and he's been on the podcast before. I think it was back in episode seven. It was certainly one of the very earliest episodes. Um, and we talked a lot then just about running, but I wanted to get Jeff back because um, Jeff suffered from Lyme disease back in um, 2013, I believe it was. Um, went through lots of treatments for a couple of years, ended up in Brussels getting some specialist treatment. But it would be wrong to say it's gone away completely. He still has... It there in the background, it's still there. And we wanted to talk a little bit together about how he manages chronic, effectively running with a chronic disease. And the advice he gives is really wise and really sensible. And I think it's applicable to anybody if you've got any kind of physical or mental health disorder. But it's also applicable if you, um, I think it's just good common sense advice for anybody uh, about how balancing the stresses and strains of everyday life and how to make it all fit together. And Jeff has got a really sensible approach to all that. Um, Jeff also talks a little bit towards the end, uh, the latter half of the interview, about his mental health. Um, and I think he's been incredibly generous and incredibly open and honest in sharing some of the difficulties that he has had there. Um, and he does get quite emotional. Um, and I was very careful to... Um, we talked afterwards and Jeff was very happy for the podcast to go out. Um, and wasn't in any way um, ashamed or embarrassed about it going out. But he did want to make it absolutely clear that he wasn't making, he was worried that it would be, it would come across as some kind of um, attempt to gather pity or kind of make excuses. And I don't think it comes across like that in the slightest. I think it was just Jeff being incredibly honest, incredibly generous, incredibly open and helpful and talking quite courageously and importantly about mental health and particularly for men at such an important place for us to be where we can talk openly about mental health and if we show some emotion that's absolutely fine there's not a problem with that and there's certainly um no suggestion of some sort of attempt to manipulate us in any shape or form so and i've got nothing but you know kind of admiration for jeff for doing that um, okay, so um, we'll crack on with the uh, interview in just a moment. Just a reminder that if you uh, enjoy what's going on at Blokeology, please do sign up for the newsletter. If you get a couple of minutes, hop over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, as they like to call themselves, and leave a rating or a review. That would all be very much appreciated. Um, that's about it. Let's crack on. First thing to do, Jeff, is just to welcome you back, really. And it was incredibly back in episode seven of Blokeology that you first came on and chatted. So it feels like an absolute age ago. So the first thing to ask is just really how the devil are you? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not too bad at all at the moment. Thank you, Ewan. Um, hope you're good too. I, ca I can't believe... I can't believe how many you've done since then, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, and I do genuinely subscribe to it because of... Um, I've found every single one that I have listened to so far really interesting. I think just the, the breadth of stuff that you're talking about um, and kind of the mix of people that you've got on and them sharing their experiences and stuff like that, I've genuinely enjoyed. So, yeah, I'm not too bad at all. 
Dora, thanks. Well, thank you very much for that. And yeah, I don't think there's a single podcast in the world, that even the ones I'm a greatest fan of, that I've listened to every single episode. It's it's sort of the yeah. nature of podcasts that you dip in and out of them as well. So yeah, um, but that's exactly. really cool that you're getting something out of them. And I'm certainly, um, I, I sometimes worry that I'm just all over the map in terms of different things. But I think that reflects kind of modern life to some extent. There are so many different aspects, aren't there? And things to think about, whether it's really, when, when it comes to our health, fitness, lifestyle side of things. Yeah, I think there are. And um Again, you have got, uh, you know, a, a really interesting blend of kind of, um, I suppose, expertise and um, interests, like professionally and personally. And you can kind of see that reflected in in the things, you know, the, the topics that you're talking about and the way you've developed the podcast because, um, yeah, you, 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 you know, you've got the running interest, you've got the health interest from I suppose your, your professional kind of um your career as such but equally you, you you seem really open to just exploring almost any other interesting areas or paths that, that <laughs> this kind of takes you down um yeah I think I've probably just got you've done a few things on mental health for example and stuff like that and yeah, yeah it's just interesting I think the mental health is such a big area and I've, I'm at the moment I'm really digging into men's health and men's masculinity I'm just recording interviews with some right. experts around that sort of side of things and yeah how we how you know about men and uh, emotional suppression and how yeah. that affects relationships and also that there's a big mental health issue there I think but it, it Turns into all sorts of different things, but anyway. it is. I um, I made a note to talk about something in that area. Actually, yeah, cool. As <laughs> oh. coincidence would have it. All right, so. grand. Well, well, we'll get on to that. But first of all, I yeah. wanted to ask you really that one of the things that we talked about last time was all about running. Yeah. So I just wanted to get a feel for now. One of your recent blog uh, blog posts on your own blog, run uh, run eat repeat was all about your um, you know, early February it was about your 2019, and and you're going to hit 50 in April, Jeff. Mm. And you've got a whole list of running goals. And I just wanted to get a feel for how you were getting on and how those goals were going and how your running was. Um, generally speaking, me runs not bad. Um. I, I looking at it in context, it's it's going all right because it it's not perfect. But then I don't think anyone's ever is, you know. For and I, I've kind of um, it's taken me bloody long enough, but I, I've sort of started to uh, realise that it's easier to accept that there will be ups and downs, and not to be too hard or frustrated with yourself if if you don't achieve on those like the kind of mini goals because I'm. What I'm trying to do is looking at the the year in the round more than like isolated events. That that was partly put up and shared, so I was almost um, publicly making it known what I wanted to do. I don't mean in terms of any like the remotest bit of ego. It was more just sort of putting it out there, so as as a sort of bit of impetus for me, yeah. Um, to then kind of deliver on that, and I, I don't. Um, and just to sort of get other people talking to me by via social media mainly, you know, what, what their goals are, for example. Um, the big thing really, the really big thing I'm aiming at, um, which might sound a bit stupid when we go on to talk about the chronic illness and, and or chronic running with a chronic condition, but the, the, the big, big aim for me is to do the Lakeland 50. Um, I've never, I've only done one ultra before and I've never done anything anywhere near that length you know at all um 
And I'm I'm kind of very, very excited about that. But I'm more taking that about time on feet rather than speed and stuff like that. And obviously an event like that, there's quite a bit of hiking up the hills. Um, mm. So it's different to trying to run like a half marathon or a marathon at pace. Uh, well, I say pace, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, relative pace. Um, <laughs> and um, the... Um, so yeah, generally it's going all right because again, in terms of the whole twelve months, I'm part of that run twelve run a thousand miles group and community on Facebook and stuff as well, and I'm I'm almost on target for that, and I, which is great because I've had a a slight niggle around the Achilles area for about six or seven weeks now, and I just can't quite shake it, um, mm. and I've eased right off because of that, um, so again. You know, including that, I've only missed like one of the races that I'd entered. Um, that's hardly the end of the world because I was just looking at thinking, well, it'd be absolutely stupid to do that and then potentially injure yourself and put, you know, the Lakeland 50 above all others at risk. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's going all right. Yeah. So the Lakeland 50 is actually 50 miles, of course. And it yeah. looks like it's, it's the end of July, isn't it? That you're going for that. That's so, right. Yeah. As you say, it's a very different experience. We talked about ultras last time, but it's a very different yeah. experience. Um, yeah. Doing an ultra of that length than running any race below a marathon. Yeah. Really. Even a marathon, most people are going to try to keep on running, though yeah. that's not by any means essential to doing a no, marathon. No, exactly. I mean, I, I was told by in the past and, um, but like elite athletes as well. I've been on a course that Nicky Spinks ran. Um, I've been on that about, I don't know, it must be four years or so ago. Um, and I vividly remember her saying, even if you're an elite athlete, you know, you do not, um, like run the hills. Mm. You know, you will be and you should be hiking. Otherwise your body really, really will break down later on. So even if you feel great at the beginning, you, you know, you don't run climbs. Um, that really stuck with me because I thought if, if someone of her level is saying that, then at the, the at the very least, someone of my level um, has to do that. You know what I mean? You, you can't, you cannot ignore that advice. Um, so yeah, it's totally, totally different. So you you know you're kind of going to break up the the routine um, compared to running like a hard ten k or or even a hard five k. You know, where you're going through a completely different type of pain because you're trying, trying to sustain a faster pace of running. Um, this isn't like that. I think it's just time on your feet and the relentless moving forward. It's preparing yourself for that, really. Yeah. Um, and I'm, a, I'm confident to doing that because I know I can literally just tell myself when it, when it does get very bad, um, which it will, you know, at some point through the event, um, just one more step, one more step and, and, that's what I'll do. Yeah. Yeah. You're bound to have your ups and downs on a long event like that. And I was no, just, absolutely. Gonna, I, was, I think it's great. You put your races out there and, um, I don't think it's an ego thing at all. There's what, but it, there's a lot to be said for sort of public declarations of what you're going to do. Yeah. And what you, what you plan to, um, achieve, um, in a year. And I think that kind of is a real, as you say, creates that impetus and it creates a drive, doesn't it? And yeah, it's really helpful, but equally it's got to be balanced with that realism that if you miss one or two, not the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I missed one. Um, I missed one. One fell race. Sorry, not fell race. I missed um, a ten k that me and my son were down to do as part of the Brownlee Festival. It was like the first time that had been run mm-hmm. in their 
you know, like a real cutting edge sports facility um, in Leeds with the university. Um, but a 10k road, you know, uh, tarmac road race. I missed that. Does that does it matter? You know, not really. No, not at all. So I noticed that one of the things you've got down is on your list is the Staveley 17k. Mm-hmm. Um, and are you still planning to do that? I am. That'll be an interesting weekend, that actually, because um, <laughs> I um, I mean, this sounds, it is stupid. One of, so I'm doing that on a Saturday. I haven't done the 17K for a few years because I was running it with my son, who was only old enough to do the 10. Um, so I'm going back to the 17 because he's like focused on getting to university. So I'm doing that on my own. Looking forward to doing the longer one. Um, I always struggle on that course for some bizarre reason, but you know, again, it's part of the Lakeland 50 training for me. Um, but that weekend, I'm also going to be, um, kind of cycling with a, with a friend who's, um, come through, uh, cancer and cancer treatment. She's doing like a sponsored cycle from, I think it's like, well, Cheshire all the way up to Butterwick, which is not far from Penrith. Mm. Um, so I've offered to cycle with them on the second day. Um, so, yeah, that'll be an interesting weekend. That actually would be really good fun. So yeah, is the race on the Saturday or the Sunday? The race on the Saturday and then you're going to be the, cycling on the Sunday? That's right. The race is on the Saturday. I'm just going to um, like get my head down in a, a B&B or a or tent or something. And then the, the stupid thing is, and I haven't planned the logistics of, the, of it at all. I've got to get from Stavely to, I think, Preston, which is where they start their second day. Yeah. Um, I've then got to cycle up to Butterwick with them. And then somehow I've got to get back to wherever I left my car. Um, so I think I might be doing the equivalent of cycling Preston to, to Butterwick and back, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Unless I can, the husband will give me a lift back down to the car or something. I don't know. <laughs> Try and sort something out. Yeah, it's a little bit complicated. I, I, I'll have to chip in and see if I can help as well, because I'm not too far away. So there may be some <laughs> scope for me to try to, to bail yeah, you out no, as well there, Jeff. I mean, even if it, it was, you know, um, clapping at the side of the road, or or even just cycling, or running with us for a few hours. And I, I just thought, I, she's been through like a lot, and um, over like the I think the five years. In fact, I interviewed her for my blog, and um, when I saw what she was doing, and she doesn't cycle, um, I was like, you know, the least you can do is is offer to sort of join in and some or support in some way. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. yeah it'll be a good weekend. I just hope the weather's all right for, <laughs> uh, for us. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely cycling. Uh, I, so speaking of, I actually ran a Lakeland trail event just this last weekend. I ran the yeah. um, Cartmel one. Cartmel. Yeah. So it was on the Saturday and the weather was filthy and it was supposed <laughs> to be 18 K. And, um, by the time I think this podcast goes out, I've probably had a myself and John Richmond who did it together all have had a bit of a chat about it. So that'll already be out. Um, but the weather was absolutely foul and it was supposed to be 18, but they had to reduce it. They had to do the emergency 10K course. And uh, we were just wading through mud for 10K. Me. <laughs> so That um, must have been bad because I've done it once when it was extremely muddy. Um yeah so it must have been bad to cut to the emergency course yeah i think there was just there was the wind and the rain and i think there were more most to be honest they were more worried about the marshals stood out there getting hypothermic yeah, yeah. than us because when you're <laughs> moving you're relatively warm it's not yeah. that big a problem um no, I, no. I have to admit it was just i did the 10k and i was it, i got on fine but i was i was it was extraordinarily draining 
I was really done in just for yeah. a 10k just because it was um just you were just mud plugging the whole way it was really quite <laughs> it was really quite grim in that regard there is that nice thing that you get past it it's like school cross once you're wet you're wet you're just like well that's it I can't get yeah. anywhere so therefore I don't have to worry about the puddles anymore because I just no, go exactly. through the middle Jesus <laughs> so that was fun so I might actually I certainly were thinking of doing the Stavely 17k as well um so I may well join you on that yeah um, brilliant um i have i think i've done i think that's one of the ones i've done in the past and it used to go over the garbon pass didn't it and i don't i don't think it does go over the garbon pass anymore does it go slightly round to the side or does it still go over it do you know um it's a bit of a heartbreak hill up the garbon yeah i haven't heard any i haven't heard any different but i've got to be honest i haven't really looked because i've done the 10 the last few years um i know i do vividly remember the hill that you're talking about <laughs> um i remember the first time i did it there was me but you know the way you you end up with other people of your pace don't you in a yeah. way and um there was three of us um three fellas actually just slogging up this hill it was boiling hot um the weather's often been very hot on that weekend bizarrely and um uh, yeah, it, it's just like false crest over false crest, isn't it? So every time we thought we were getting to the top, and he, I just remember this like fella next to me is like, "When does this effing hill end?" <laughs> um, Sunderland accent, and it, I just burst out laughing. You know, it's almost like the hopelessness of it in a way. Um, and the other fella who was kind of head down, just plowing on with us, as you know, again the three of us just ended up bursting out laughing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a hell of a climb. It's not even, it's not steep, but it just goes on and on. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, yeah, it, it's it's a gorgeous route. Yeah, it's a nice spot up there in Stavely. Yeah, so it makes it um, takes all the pain off. So, yeah. Jeff, I must ask you that one of the things I wanted to talk about you today, talk with you today about, was the fact that you were diagnosed with Lyme disease a few years ago, and I know that that's something that has improved perhaps from when it was at its worst but you still something that you struggle with and just have a little bit of a conversation about how you manage to do your running and sort of fit in those kind of ups and downs of having a chronic illness. What, mm-hmm. are, the, what, are, the, what are the main ways it still affects you? The main ways it affects me are my energy levels will fluctuate. Um, when I say any le- energy levels, one of the, 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 the biggest legacies of it, um, kind of having it, um, it's always, because it's chronic, it's, it's always sort of in my system. Mm-hmm. So it'll never completely go. So I'm at risk of it flaring up, you know, and, um, so I have to kind of work around that and I have to be very mindful of how my energy levels are and how I'm feeling. And, you know, particularly with any, any work and travel as well. So if I'm very, very busy with work, which we, we, we often seem to be, um, I'm talking beyond being normally busy. Um, and equally any travel, uh, again, beyond the norm. Um, so I've been doing a bit of traveling over the past couple of months with our son doing uni open days, things like that will affect it. So I just have to kind of be aware of that and pull back. You know, yes, if I've got, I, I don't have where I don't run to a plan. Um, and I've never since this put a plan together at all because all I would do is beat myself up for not doing that that easy run or that 10k run or whatever it would be, you know, for training. Um if I don't feel like it, then I just 
I'd tell myself that and I'd be much better doing literally nothing or doing a bit of uh, yoga, maybe doing a bit of core work instead. Um, other things like that that can complement it but will, will not take anywhere near the same energies out of me as going for a run would do. Or um, if I do think, you know, yeah, I'd like to go for like a harder run tonight, um, but I know my energy levels are not what they should be, then I will just literally go on a very, very, very easy jog. Mm. Um, so it just gets my – because perversely that almost helps. Yeah. Um, kind of kickstart the energy levels to an extent, but I have to, you know, be taking it very easy. That was something that an occupational health specialist said to me that it's absolutely critical that you have consistency – as much as you can in terms of regular exercise, eating eating well, which I tend to anyway, um, good sleep patterns and consistency of work. You know, do not be battering yourself one day or for a few days and then you'll have that big dip. You know, yeah. consistency is absolutely critical. So that's what I try and do. So, yeah, like I say, rather than like not doing anything, it might be an extremely easy run. Um, or it might be something else like a little bit of core work or a little bit of like strength work, like just some very, very brief like drills, like one-legged squats and things, you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. so I'm still trying to do something productive and that helps the mind as well, which makes me feel better about the fact that the condition isn't totally um, kind of dictating me, yeah. for want of a better description. I think the interesting thing is that actually a lot of what you describe is obviously your, the main problem you have is still fatigue, energy levels, that sort of tiredness. And certainly as a doctor, that is one of the most number one, you know, it's just right up there in the number one symptom of the things that people present with and have difficulties yeah. with. And it happens for a whole host of reasons, including psychological problems. Yeah. In fact, probably the most common reason that people come to the doctor feeling tired is there's an underlying psychological uh, concern of some variety but the really interesting thing is that all the things that you've described there actually as well as all those people who are tired that kind of actually it's actually really good advice for anybody who hasn't got any kind of chronic illness as well in terms of managing the daily stresses and strains and it's perhaps how some people get a bit out of shape and actually perhaps get life gets on top of them and they do end up getting very fatigued that's just it's just really good advice it, yeah it, i mean again it, it's like when you have conversations with people at times like i said the couple of those things that Nicky Spink said that really stuck with me regarding an ulcer. It was the same with the hockey health specialist because um, it, it, it was just that idea of of being consistent because mm -hmm. I sometimes have it in my head. And I know people do question, you know, at times. Um, I don't mean for any malicious reason at all, but I think they struggle to understand sometimes why I run. If I struggle with a chronic condition that, can have such overwhelming fatigue mm. and then everything else that that will then lead to. Yeah. Um, I, I, to some extent also find it a little difficult to kind of comprehend myself, but I, I can, I can see and I do literally physically feel the difference that, um, how it can help. But again, it's, it's kind of, um, uh, I hate the word moderation, but it, it's kind of in, it, it's it, it not moderation it's more moderating the level that you should be doing at that time so there will be times when you've got more energy and you can go a little bit more but 
you don't literally batter yourself. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not going into the red. And again, he described it as like, you know, I've got an elastic band. And he said, if you're working really, really hard all the time, and if you're pushing yourself with exercise or whatever, because you feel that you should do, because you, um, you're worried about kind of getting into worse physical condition, which then might make the lines worse. He said, you, you just, you cannot keep that at a certain level of tension permanently. There's just no give. And he said, you haven't got the physical or emotional resilience that you did have before this condition. So you have to give yourself more, more of a buffer and being aware of where that red line is mm. and being aware of kind of operating under it much more consistently will mean that that elastic band doesn't snap. You know, they're, they're the kind of analogies that he was using. Yeah. Um, and it really helped me as well because, like I say, it, it's now not a question of. And there will be some nights when I don't, some days or nights when I don't do any physical activity, kind of thing. But I, I tend to sort of stand up and walk a lot when I'm uh, sort of teaching in in work anyway. So it's not like I'm doing nothing. Um, but there are less days now when I will do nothing. Um, that's why I will blend it with a bit of you know conditioning work as well, which. I've also used and learned a lot more on injury prevention because of that. Mm. Um, so again, you know, the idea of strength training, which probably every runner should incorporate into the training. Um, yeah. Again, I've learned how useful that can be sort of through through looking at this. Um, and I think mentally it's made me more aware of like where I am with the condition. The other thing I do to manage it, obviously can't sort of show it on a podcast, but um I have, I think you might be able to see it on the screen. Okay. I monitor my symptoms every month. Okay. And I literally, religiously have kept a log like that for the past five years. Yeah. Since going to Brussels. Um, yeah. Sorry, four years since going to Brussels. So I have key symptoms that I, that I rate on a scale of one to 10. Yeah. So I can see where the peaks are yeah. and I, I annotate like around them. Yeah, um, what you've been doing. So if I've been traveling or I've been working very, you know, like a 12-hour yeah. day or something, so I can see where there's a kind of a, a link. Yeah. And it, it just helps me prevent that happening in the future. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, gosh, well, you're amazingly proactive at managing it. And it's a really interesting way. Interestingly, some of the things that you've just mentioned there, I'd already written down before we spoke because I'm, I'm halfway through writing a short post for your blog about managing that. And the things I'd already identified were strength training uh, cross training um and overtraining or more specifically not under resting is perhaps yeah. more the thing is actually giving yourself sufficient time to recover and giving yourself permission not to do things when you are just yeah. knackered which is yeah. just such a critical bit of that as well so um, you've described tell, what i would be interested in is just tell us a little bit more about your limes journey um, um Jeff. when did it all when did it all kick off and what did you what how did you first notice it well, really, it kind of dawned on me. Um, uh, hang on. Um, it's coming up to six years ago, you and uh, yeah. So mid sort of 2013 is when my my body basically crashed. Um, up until that point, I've been becoming, I've been getting like ill on a cyclical basis. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd be going through periods that, that when I looked, basically, um, when we look back on this, in hindsight, when I started to come improve a little bit off the, the crashing of my body and everything else, look back at what had been going on and realize that there was a, 
like a regular pattern so that every three months or so I'd be really struggling with um with illness but it wasn't like vomiting it was just being very very run down and um just about managing to cope with work and then going to bed when I got in basically um and like I say, there was a kind of a, a regular pattern to that happening. Well, I'd never been like that in my life. So it was obvious that something was behind it. And then equally, there was, um, I was getting these, what I thought were spider bites in my armpits every six weeks to the day. Like literally freakily, you know, bang on six weeks, they would appear in both armpits. Mm-hmm. Very painful for touch. And, um, but it wasn't like a, like a normal, I don't know, cyst or anything like that. Um, so again, I knew that there was some kind of pattern that was triggering it. Um, body crashed in mid-2013. I literally almost overnight. I, I've been to a race about five days earlier, and it's the first time in my life that I was halfway around, and I just thought, I'm, I, I, I can't carry on here. And it was only 5K. Um I just about did, but I, I slowed down to a crawl basically. And when I went to get, uh, like a, an orange juice in the pub afterwards, I very nearly keeled over at the bar. Like just before I was doing that, I thought something's wrong here. I'm not. And I, I very nearly went and I just said to one of the, like the, the, the running club mates, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to have to go home. But I was a bit nervous about like driving back then. Um, I lost almost bang on a stone within. Like, I think it was about eight days or so. Um, literally was doing nothing. My wife was making me eat and drink. Um, I was just totally bedridden. Um, for near, I think not over a period of like two weeks, I was just bedridden and doing like nothing. Um, basically went to see the GP and everything else and, um, realized there was something more to it. In a nutshell, I was tested for everything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, all my organs, blood tests of, of every kind, you know, no sort of stone was left unturned type of thing. Um, thankfully that was showing nothing sinister in terms of, you know, like something like cancer or a heart condition or whatever. Um, but equally it was very frustrating not knowing what the hell was behind this. Yeah. Um, Anyway, through a process of elimination, I was lucky to have a very, very good GP, you know, an extremely understanding GP who wasn't dismissive at all because I was starting to doubt my own sanity in a way, thinking it's part of this in my head or, mm. you know, what the hell is going on? I had a very understanding boss who just said, you know, just luckily it was a quieter time in work anyway at that time. Just take care of yourself. Come back when you're ready. Don't worry about this, you know, here. Uh, we want you for the long term rather than kind of trying to get you back quicker in the short term. Um, so that took pressure off. And my GP effectively, um, while didn't like necessarily immediately accept, you know, without like evidence that I had limes, did believe and see that it could well be that. Um, so sent me on multiple tests in the UK in the meanwhile, kind of started giving me medication for Lyme's um, on the understanding that I was doing this without being formally diagnosed. So it was at my risk, as it were. Yeah. Um, that went on for a period of sort of more or less two years um, in isolated like antibiotics, like immunocycline and so on. Um, 
but I, it would never, I'd sort of improve and then I'd massively dip again. And in the end, in 2015, I ended up in Brussels seeing an expert in this area, um, being um, treated on a like a, a proper treatment protocol, like multi-systemic, because I had Babesia by then, like a very severe co-infection of it, um, very malaria-like for, you know, just thinking of listeners really in terms of what that is, um, as well as other things. And, yeah, over a period of about two years it was, I was on a ridiculous mix of kind of antibiotics and things that would help settle my stomach while all that was going on um, and improved enormously, you know, over that time um, in particular. Um to the point now where um, I think getting on for a year ago, I haven't been on any medication. Um, I manage it very carefully. Um, I, um, I've i always got the, the the opportunity to go back to him if I need to, either by Skype or literally physically going to Brussels. I take supplements, which he recommended, like um, grapefruit seed extract, which is a very good and effective boost to your immune system and is particularly effective with this i believe so again you know think well what have you got to lose just try it so um that's really helped um i still dip um and like you said it's just about managing that chronic condition and trying not to get too frustrated with it you know it it really does piss me off at, at, at times as a as a husband as a dad and individually when at times, which has happened over the past few months, I've barely got any energy at all on a Saturday or Sunday. Mm. So there's been times when I spend two or three hours on one or sometimes both days in the middle of the afternoon and I have to have like that sleep. That that really pisses me off as like um I... thinking you're not good enough as a family person, as it were. Yeah. Um, but again, that's part of it. Um how do, how would you and... say your mental health has been over this period? It must have been very hard. Um, very up and down, um, because running wise, it, it, honestly, it's almost, it's, it's like permanently running with flu. Mm. Physically, that's how I'd describe it. You know, it, it's like trying to go for a run when you've got flu, but some days I will barely feel it and other times I will. Um, I do struggle with that a little bit in terms of mental health. Um, and then mental health wise, the journey's been, um, uh, quite extreme. <laughs> um, how would I describe it? I So I went to the doctor in mid-2013 when everything crashed. January 2014, I went to him and, you know, just said, I, I'm really struggling. I feel very flat. I've got no interest in anything. Um, and basically just opened up a bit. And he just said, you're depressed, you know, and I, I'd be very, very surprised if you weren't. Um, you've had this condition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it, you, you're suffering from a form of reactive depression. Anyway, we talked about it and I was put on fluoxetine. Mm-hmm. And despite what I say, say and genuinely do believe um, in knowing other people on fluoxetine, I did exactly what I said, what I don't do with other people and what I tell them not to do in terms of I was very hard on myself for taking these medications, um, calling myself a failure and whatever else, despite the fact that I don't do that with other people who are on antidepressants. Um, so that I think was difficult for me to accept, but then I kind of got used to that. Um, 
the dose gradually increased from 20 to 40 to 60. So it was quite a high dosage in the end, I think. Um, 60, right? Um, anyway, um, and but progressively, I think that got a bit worse and sort of from things being very good in terms of doing the UT55, I think in, in 2015, I then went on a quite a downward spiral to be honest and a very ultimately a very destructive phase very destructive behavior um you know which i'm really really not proud of and um i very nearly messed up everything like in my life um mm. sorry um to the point where you you have a choice you either think well you know how low do you go or you try and improve and learn from that, um, which is ultimately the way that I, you know, I took it. I sort of had to be a better version of what I've become. Um, couldn't go much lower. Um, sorry. So it's kind of like being a better me um, and learning to improve. So I did that through changing my behaviour again, um, evaluating what I what I felt I. I was as a person in terms of what my values like were, um, read a lot, uh, and basically ultimately went on a, a much improved path, you know, of kind of, of doing better by myself and those around me. Um, and being honest with myself in terms of the, basically this had been brought on by me, if, if you know what I mean like by my behavior um anyway and yeah so that's kind of thankfully to put a more positive spin on it <laughs> um you know been a massive change again like for the better over the past couple of years um i also more recently read a, a cracking book called lost connections um absolutely brilliant book and um that's the, the, the guy who the author has suffered very badly since his teens with depression. Um, and I think it comes from a family that suffers from like addiction, but basically he's looking at society and he's saying, you know, we have a broken society. It's not. And that's what's kind of impacting on this like mental health, um, rise really. Um, and, um, again, there was a lot of common sense in there. There's a lot of, stuff that's kind of obvious but it's backed up by a lot of question and research and basically identifies that there are seven kind of connections lost to us um none of these will come as a surprise it's kind of like you know um community um the the sense of purpose i.e um kind of you know value added jobs versus um like the very, very mundane and low paid. And particularly when you think, I think the most obvious example for me in many ways is like the, you know, the gig economy where people haven't got, I know it works for some yeah. people, but generally speaking, there is like zero job security, um, typically very, very low rate of pay uh, and so on. Um, equally the way community um, and a lot of media seems to be almost like quite polarized. Um, just a number of things like mm -hmm. that. And basically there's seven different kind of 
like lost connections that he identifies. Um, and then he, his book almost is a, um, almost just a discussion about like how to positively do something about them. Um, and, you know, he gives examples and uh, like I say, a lot of this is backed up by research, not his research. What he's done is gone and talked to what are very few people who have evaluated like all the research that is out there in different contexts. Um, and, and one of the things, which is why I mentioned it, that he, he does a lot of work. Um, he's not for one second saying antidepressants don't work. He's, he's not saying that at all. Well, what he does is, you know, by by pointing you to the research that people have done to look at the results for pharma companies when they get a license to prescribe these drugs, um, show how they only have to meet a certain amount of criteria to get the license, but on getting that, they have to make all the all, all the research information public, and it's quite staggering how mm. dominant the results are that show that those medications often don't work for most people you know what i mean um, yeah and no, i think he was a slight he's a slightly controversial figure isn't he um, yeah well i'm not surprised because he's going against a lot of established narrative and clearly you know when you really think about it a hell of a lot of very powerful lobby groups oh oh absolutely policy makers I, I, I think he was mildly controversial because he got into a bit of difficulty around some plagiarism issues in the past as well right so that didn't help his case but no. th- and I, I, i've certainly heard it portrayed that he was a little bit antidepressants but i haven't read the book so i couldn't it's interesting yeah, to say that I that wasn't it, the case well, he could easily be positioned as of as that but he, he's very careful in the book to talk to say you know very explicitly i'm not saying these yeah. don't work and i'm not okay. saying they are not the right thing for many people yeah it's just that they're not it's it basically they are too readily prescribed um and there isn't enough there hasn't been enough questioning of the evidence but that's hardly surprising given how yeah again those lobby groups and everything, you know, the whole oh. thing works. Um, no, it's just very interesting. And again, it just, it just makes you kind of open your eyes a bit to what's around you. Um, yeah. and, and again, it's sort of just stuff with like more of the, you know, explicitly looking for more of the connection with nature. So, you know, I know mm-hmm. everyone knows that like typically going for a walk or a run in the woods is good for our health. Um, mm. But it's just kind of pointing you in terms of just a number of common sense things like that. It's just a really good eye-opening book. Yeah, great. I, I think um, he's. Abs- I would completely agree about the evidence thing. That there's clear evidence that the pharmaceutical industry has suppressed negative studies. There's a, a well-known problem of publication bias that only positive findings get reported. Yeah. And um, you know there are, and that that's across all sorts of areas, not just antidepressants. It's just a problem industry wide, and they are an enormously powerful yeah. and rich, um, uh, in, you know, industry which we are, which we need to hold to account to a much yeah. greater extent. I think. So the obvious thing to ask Jeff is just very quickly because I'm aware time is marching on. But what are the what are the kind of things that you obviously just described? And thank you so much. It must it must you know for what was a very difficult time for you. What are the connections or what are the things that you did that you think really helped you get through the last few years and these difficulties that you've had? Um, learning not to be a twat. Um, <laughs> because that's what I've become. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure you're not being a bit hard on yourself there. Yeah, the, well, I, I, I think that's that, the kind of... That's, that's, honestly, that's one way of putting it because that's what I've become in some respects. Um, 
basically what it's done is become extremely I think like you um like a lot of people who do struggle with depression and uh if you like mental illness um start to become very insular almost like actively cut themselves off yeah um push away those that are dearest to you um like actively and destructively so mm. um where you're almost then reinforcing and becoming what you're telling yourself you are yeah so if i was telling which i was doing that because of the illness and because of the way it was affecting me i was i was a shit dad i was a shit husband um this that the other um i then almost like follow the pattern of behavior which which basically proved to myself that that's where I was becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you, you know, I suppose with anything it, uh, like destructive, you, you you ultimately push things so far that, you, you know, you have to hopefully reach a point where there's a wake-up call and you just think, you know, what is going on? What am I doing? And, um, and so, yeah, you know, um, it's then, be, thankfully, being in a position where you've got family um, around you who will, um, you know, are, are kind of prepared to listen, prepared to forgive, prepared to support you um, as, as long as you commit to sort of doing the same as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, again, like I made a commitment to myself that I would read um, a bit of Lezu every day. I think it's just a brilliant little book. Um I meditate every day um, and I just have a little bit of, even if it's just two minutes of reflection, I know that might sound a bit cheesy or whatever, but you know, it's important and it's just reminding yourself of uh, who you are and almost what you don't want to be. Yeah. So for me, that's how, but it, you know, that would not have happened without the support of our family. Um, and equally at different times, you know, support of like some excellent work colleagues. Yeah. Yeah, I think you've described lots of in, lots of little things there that um, it, it is a very difficult hole to get out of if your people get into depression. And for the reasons you described, that it becomes a kind of a self, you know, it becomes a self fulfilling thing that you know you you hate yourself or you despise yourself, and then you yeah. push yourself away. And it's a really difficult hole to get out of. But equally, I think you have to. Well, in in my case, and kind of in my case, so I know it's going to be different for other people, but you can't use that as an excuse. Um, you have to look at, at things as explanations for sort of why. Um, but you cannot for one second, oh, I couldn't anyway, use any of that as an excuse. Um, you know, you can't, can't pretend that you didn't sort of, um, in my case, like I'm embark on a path of very destructive behavior and stuff like that. Um, you have to sort of face up to that fact. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and but again, there's a, a lot of lessons in that. You know what I mean? None, none of us are perfect. We're all human. We all make mistakes. It's just that I went through a period of making very bad ones, um, uh, one on top of the next. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. just accelerating this destructive curve. But then you think, okay, well, I have a choice here. Um, and, um, you know, I know which way I want to go. Yeah. You certainly... Um you certainly seem to have tremendous insight into the things that, you know, make your life better now. And I think that's 
perhaps it's the you know as you say everyone's different but as a general as in terms of themes whether it's getting outside and running on trails or exercising or social connections and having people around you can speak to they're very much things that most that will work for most people in somehow hopefully in some way in yeah. meditation and mindfulness you know there's good evidence for that as well yeah and i uh, just taking a bit of a um taking that time in the day to to give yourself permission to do that is mm. incredibly valuable yeah indeed um and i think because again we're you know we're in a society where we're always switched on if we're yes. not careful <laughs> M- many of us are very very busy in our work lives and kind of social lives and stuff as well um but you can't do everything all the time you know, I, I sort of don't see my parents as much as I want to. Um, but thankfully they don't put pressure on us to do that. Um, but again, you know, you, you, you cannot do everything. Um, so they kind of come here a little bit more now instead. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just things exactly. like that. Um, I don't sometimes keep in touch with friends as much as I'd like to, but I don't beat myself up about that. And, um, again, I've got good friends who don't put, pressure on each other to do that either but you know when we do talk or meet up or whatever um you just carry on as you were you don't you don't moan to each other about the fact that someone hasn't been in touch recently or something do you know what i mean yeah yeah absolutely listen jeff i think um that has been absolutely fun it's been really great to hear and thank you so much for sharing it um, you should tell us a little bit more about where people can find out more about you, where you blog and all your running and baking and other activities. Yeah, the the, the, the blog is runeatrepeat.co.uk. Uh, on Twitter, I am on runeatrepeat.uk. And yeah, you know, I hope if anyone ever visits that, um, particularly the blog kind of thing, just enjoys the mix of, well, it's basically a blend of my own experiences and thoughts on running. Um, the odd kit review and stuff like that as well. Um, but that's not, um, the main focus. But the, I think the big thing that people get a lot from is also reading interviews with other runners. Mm. Um, and just, you know, reading their experiences and their runners from like really elite level GB runners through to, um, people like us or whatever, you know what I mean? And Anna, who are all different ages and completely different levels. Um, so yeah, you know, I just hope that people can get a little bit out of that if they ever visit it and i'm always happy to hear from people um via twitter and stuff like that or um or again just getting the the the, the, the thoughts on the, some of the blog posts and stuff yeah it's a fantastic resource and they should people should absolutely get down there and engage with you i think it's really worthwhile uh jeff thank you so much right, thank you ewan and take care of yourself i'll speak to you soon Okay, well, thanks for listening. You can find the full show notes at www.blokeology.io. You can also sign up for the newsletter, the Journal of Blokeology at www.blokeology.io forward slash journal. Sign up and I'll make sure that I send you the Healthy Bloke Action Plan. It would be enormously helpful if you've enjoyed the show, if you've got anything out of it, if you could pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review or just leave a rating, that would be incredibly helpful. And any feedback is very welcome. And so you can leave comments, send email, or make contact via Twitter, Facebook, and the usual social media channels, all of which can be found at blokeology.io. Thanks again. Mm-hmm.